This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's now time for Women on the Waves, a show focusing on issues affecting women, here on Christchurch's community access station Plains FM. And today, on the Women's Lives, Women's Stories program, I'm speaking to Mary O'Leary. I met Mary at the travel doctor when I was going to have my vaccinations for Morocco. One of my dreams when I was young was to live in Spain and learn flamenco dancing. Mary has spent much of the last decade living in Spain and I wanted to talk to her more. Mary's a traveller, broadcaster, adventurer, storyteller. Kia ora. Welcome, Mary. Kia ora. Thank you for having me here, Rachel. My pleasure. So I've been itching to ask you, why Spain? What led you there? Well, to be honest, it's more than a decade. It was actually from 2001 through till 2017. Mm. And what led me there was that I'd been working in Warsaw in Poland, putting an advertising company through a merger, and all of my staff spoke at least four languages. They all spoke Polish, Russian, English, and they all had one other language. Many of them spoke German, and if they didn't speak German, they spoke a Latin language, French or Italian or Spanish. So I thought, right, I'm the boss of all these people. I'm earning probably 10 to 20 times more than the next most highly paid person is earning. That's another story. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to go and get these ridiculous salaries, expat salaries, when I can't even, I'm not even on the same page as these people. Mm, I mean, they're mm. far more qualified yeah. than me. They've got all these languages. Yeah. They've studied. It's so impressive. I've never yeah. been to, I'd never been to university. I mean, it was just such a, mm, it was something that I thought I can't continue in life without upskilling in the language department. If I'm going to stay in Europe, I'm going to speak another language. Mm. At that point, I didn't know where I was going to stay. I was toying with learning Chinese, well, Mandarin or Cantonese, uh, thinking that would be more useful if I ever returned to New Zealand. But in the end, I decided I want to stay in Europe. I've got the Irish passport. Mary O'Leary, I mean, yes. goes without saying that i am got some Irish blood there. Mm. And um, so I basically decided between South America or... Spain to learn Spanish. I, I, After moving on from the Chinese languages, I thought, well, the next most important language is Spanish. Mm. A third of the world speaks it. Mm. So I'd be mad not to learn that. So off I, I, it was a bit of a no-brainer, South America or Spain, stay in Europe, keep it simple. And that's when I moved to the south of Spain. I moved to this city called Granada, mm-hmm. which is steeped in this amazing Moorish history. Was that part of your choice to move to Granada, the history that Paul... Well, no, you know what? I knew nothing about anything. Mm. I mean, this was the thing in Warsaw that was so interesting. I only spent a year there, and I realised that I just knew nothing about anything mm. at all. Yeah. I'd lived, grown up in New Zealand, 
I remember being younger and studying French at high school in the third form and the fourth form. And then when it came to making decisions about the fifth form, I decided that I wasn't going to pursue French for school cert. And my teacher begged me to. I was one of her top three in the class. I didn't know it was all a point system and all of that. But anyway, she couldn't convince me. I was like, what do I want to learn French for? Mm. I'm not going to France. Um, Maybe I'll go on holiday, but I'm from New Zealand and I'm staying in New Zealand. I mean, I was passionate about New Zealand as a teenager. Mm. You couldn't imagine you're going to use it. I always knew I wanted to travel, but I Mm. couldn't imagine that learning French was going to be of any use to me. Well, how wrong was I? I wish I had have stuck with it. And anybody listening out there today, if you've got children, the greatest gift you can give to your children, I think, is another language. Mm. And... You know, it opens so many doors for when you are travelling. Now, as a result of knowing Spanish, I know French, Portuguese, Italian. Mm. My Latin's not so good. Obviously, I speak a little bit of Polish. Mm. Um, My niece is Russian. I would like to learn Russian, very much like to learn Russian. Mm. I've begged my Polish friends to teach me Polish for years, but... They're like, oh, no, 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 it's just too difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's really why so I moved to Spain, Granada. And Granada, so not knowing. So it sounds like you make quite spontaneous decisions. Oh, yes, yes, extremely impulsive. So I got there. I went to Marbella to meet my cousin. He was staying there. And I was horrified with Marbella. I was just like, well, this isn't Spain. So I got a rental car and just... Drive and I kept seeing these. Is Marbella one of the places a lot of English tourists go? Yes. It's the Costa del Sol, which is also known as the Costa del Crime. Um, There's a lot of mafia. Mm. There's all all sorts of nationalities. There's Russian, Irish, mafia, English, um, a lot of drug trafficking. There's all that dark side of life, Mm. but then there's all this glitz and glamour side of life as well. And to be perfectly frank, I wasn't into either. So I was out of there pretty quickly and hired this car and just drove and kept seeing these signs for this castle. Mm. I mean, yes, and then I had the word Castillo, which is castle. So I said to my cousin, let's go and see the castle. Uh, Let's go to Granada and we'll go and see the castle. And he's like, okay, so... This castle is called the the Alhambra. And my cousin said to me, well, look, um, I don't mind to go and see it, but it's getting late in the day and, uh, you know, I don't think we've got enough time. I'm like, for goodness sake, it's a castle. Of course we've got time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we landed at the castle at about 5 o'clock and I think it was closing at 5.30. And we got in, which was a miracle in itself. I mean, it was totally a case of turning up late and them knowing that there's no way we'd get around this castle in half an hour, and went in there, and I just had my mind blown. Mm. And from that moment onwards, I was... What was was it about it? The Alhambra. It wasn't a castle as Mm. such. It was a a whole city, uh, a whole settlement of various palaces and Mm. had a rich history of the wars between the Moors and the Catholics Mm. till eventually the Moors were driven out by the Christians. Mm. A lot of bloodshed happened there. At one point in history, the place almost, most of, a lot of it 
burnt in a fire, but I mean, it's still, there's so much of it there and it's just hundreds and hundreds of years old and it's got this mm. incredibly rich and um, bloody history. Mm. But uh, from there, thanks to going there, I began to learn all about exactly where I was. I mean, I was, some people say the south of Spain, it's not the south of Spain, it's the north of Africa. Mm. So I was living in a community, very rich community, full of Moroccan people, full of, um, uh, they had their, there was a whole street where they sold their, their wares. You've been to Morocco, it was yes. very much like the Medina, mm. one whole street in Granada. In fact, not just one whole street, there's another spot by the cathedral there is very much like an exact copy. It, it was the Medina mm. back in the day mm. Mm. because it was all Moorish. Mm. All the churches, not all of the churches, but many of the churches and cathedrals, originally they were places, they were mosques. Mm. I mean, fascinating. Who knew all of this? Mm. Well, I knew nothing. Mm. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about European history when I was in Warsaw um, relative to the Poles and what they lived through. By the time I was in Spain, I was learning all about, well, more the southern history, but as, you know, I was there for 16, 17 years, I did go on to learn a lot about all the different politics around all the different regions. Mm. I lived through the, well, it's still going on, the the Catalans with their desire for to be independent from mm. the rest of the country. Mm. I mean, so complicated. Mm. I've only visited Barcelona, and my impression of Spain is it is very different in the different regions. Very, mm. very, very different, through to even what the people look like. Mm. Uh, dialects and their accents. Mm. Um, you go down to the Canary Islands, for example, and the accent is so different. Mm. It's almost starting to sound like the Argentinian accent, which has a bit of an Italian mm. look to mm. it. So was Granada the first place you based yourself to learn Spanish? Yes. Yes. Yes, and I learned, um, I was DJing. Mm. Actually, I met, I was going to classes and I was really useless, and then I'd go travelling and I'd come back. I'd be in a class with all these 20-year-olds, <laughs> and they were German or whatever, and they already had a few languages, and for them it was easy. For me, I was like concrete brain. And um, so I'd do two weeks and then I'd go travelling for a bit and then I'd come back and then I'd do two more weeks and I'd have to relearn everything. And I was like, oh, I don't think this brain can actually cope. Mm. So I gave up. And then I saw a poster advertising free classes. I thought, well, nothing to lose. I'll go to the free classes. And they were training the teachers. And one of the teachers... Well, my teacher was a DJ, and I was a DJ here in New Zealand before I. What do you mean training the teachers? Training them English or training how to Spanish teach? people to teach ah, Spanish? So you were to to English. But like you were the guinea pigs. Yes, that's why the classes were free. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were learning how to teach. Yeah, and you were the students. Perfect. Yeah, it was perfect, and so. And one of your teachers was a DJ. Yeah, yeah. so him and I struck up a relationship very quickly with the with music being what we had in common Mm. and he spoke perfect English and I explained to him that I was struggling with the TEFL way of teaching and that I didn't think it was appropriate to try and teach everybody in the same way Mm. um, 
all brains are different and yes, I know you've kind of got to make, you know, school, school and you can't have a different flavour for everybody. Yeah. But I asked him if he'd give me private lessons mm. because I saw that I just needed to know the answers to questions yes. that I had. Yes. And it wasn't working in the, in the classroom context. So mm. I started having private lessons with him, came a long way, but still really wasn't thinking that I was ever going to get that far with it, and I wasn't all that bothered, to be honest. Mm. Um, I still didn't really know what I was doing. I had bought a house by then. I bought a big, old Moorish house and converted it into three apartments. And I spoke, um, I guess you could say I learned a lot of Spanish just talking with the tradesmen. Mm. I probably knew more words like, you know, the words for nails and tiles and (laughs) roofs and things like that before I could have a conversation with anybody. So, um, but through Jose, my teacher, the DJ guy, he invited me into his social circle and helped get me work as a DJ there. And poquito a poco, which means little by little, I was meeting all these people and not that many of them spoke much English. Mm. They did try, but it was very much a case of sink or swim. And they all used to joke with me and say and tell me that once they'd had a few drinks that their English got a lot better. Mm. Well, I don't know whether it got any better, but your confidence certainly improved. So we would often be out having a few drinks and some tapas and maybe on our way to go and listen to some music or whatever. And that was really the state of it, is that I just, over over the years, um, it was full immersion, mm. and that's how I learned. Mm, mm. I love hearing about your immersion and how you learn language, because that's I've also struggled a lot with classroom learning of language mm. versus being in the culture. Can you tell me more about the Spanish culture? And uh, dancing, and because that's that's something I've been struggling with, how to create community here. And it seems like the the Latin culture does that much better. The coming together of family, the coming together at night time, siesta during the day, all those things that I think about. Yes, they do. They do it brilliantly. Um, there's a lot of things we could learn from their way of life. Um, the fact of the matter is I've seen studies on productivity in terms of their their working structure, and it's not great. So there's something against that. Um, that said, if, uh, an 8.30 to 2.30 day, that has really high productivity. The problem is is that many of them start at 10 in the morning, mm. go through till 2, break, family time. Okay, the kids are at school till 3, mm. but they come home from school, everyone has lunch together. So lunchtime in Spain is really late. Mm. It's 3 o'clock, 3.30, yeah. even 4 o'clock. Yeah. Dinner, uh, uh, everyone goes back to work. Kids don't go back to work, obviously. Family, you know, the working parent goes back to work. Uh, later on in the evening, dinner, and then it's very, well, maybe dinner, maybe at a certain point, depending on the time of the year and the weather and how hot it is, um, but in summer, this is something that will happen after dinner, everyone goes promenading. I mm. call it promenading. Uh, generations, walking, 
going out for a stroll, getting an ice cream together. There'll be the grandma all the way down to the grandchildren. And there's a whole caring side to society that we don't see here. For example, if you had three siblings and one of your parents had passed away, Mm. the parent that was still alive would be the responsibility of the three of you, well, four of you, because if you've got three siblings, that's four Mm. of you, Mm. to share responsibility to take care of your other parent. Now, you would take that turn week on and you would either go and live with your parent, which is probably what would happen, or they would come and live with you. Mm. But whatever happens, they would not be left alone. Now, whether you'd have to stay the night every night, I mean, every family's different like that, um, same in Spain, it would depend on the state of health. Mm. If the health was really poorly, it would involve staying the night. I mean, here we just we just shove people off to old Age people's care. homes. Mm. Where's the love? Mm. Mm. Your mm. poor parents, they work all their lives to raise you, feed you, look after you, mm. put up with mm. everything, mm. only to find that when they get old, mm. there's no one there to look after them and they've got to pay the money and go into a home. Mm. I mean, it's just wrong. Mm. The Spanish system, the Latin system, is just beautiful like that. Mm. Uh, So you've got this whole thing with the family, and it's very social. It's very go out for dinner. Sundays, oh, my goodness, Sundays you do not want to go out because you're just going, if if you're not one of these families, because all you're going to get all day long, accuse, families, noise, Mm. I mean, they're all having a great time, mm. but that's, for me, that's the time, I, mm. you know, I don't really want to mm. go for lunch in the queue. Mm. So what was it like for you as a New Zealander living in this culture? Well, it was completely different. Yeah. I mean, I had to Were you relearn in? everything. Yes, I was so welcomed, and they loved it. They, uh, You know, every other person would say, you know what, if we drill a hole from here down... Through the center of through the, through the earth, the um, we're going to end up in New Zealand, mm. and so they loved that I was from New Zealand because they all had the story about the latitude and longitude and whatever, and that that's where you'd end up. Mm. So they're a very warm culture. Mm. So are we. Mm. We're welcoming. Mm. Mm. We have a good reputation for being really friendly and welcoming, mm. but we don't follow through with culturally in mm. terms of where we take that mm. you know we we just it feels like people are more tied to their homes like get the children get home get to bed um or uh, as a single person or person without children hard to break into yeah. community and connection and going yes. out like Look, there's only kind of certain ways you go out if you're not part of a family exactly so they're they're a lot more social than that they spend a lot of their life out on the street mm. um when i say out on the street and it, it's part of their culture mm. to go for a coffee in the morning um go if you don't go home at lunchtime you might go to a, a bar, a restaurant, you can have a fantastic menu of the day for, you know, $15, for example. Uh, you could just pick, you could get juice, have a few juices and get free tapas with your food. I mean, that's the thing in the um, 
that part of Andalusia is mm. that the tapas come free with the drink, and the drink doesn't have to be alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, those are other things that are so different in our cultures. Yeah. We drink to get drunk. They drink to be sociable. Mm. Um, and dancing. Tell me about the dancing. Oh, they love the dancing. They are mad about dancing. Down south in Andalusia, of course, there's uh, a very rich heritage of the um, gypsy flamenco um, world. There in Granada and Sevilla and Malaga, um, the flamenco thing is huge. So they're all pretty, they all like to get the old palms out, do a bit of clapping along to the gypsy flamenco, and uh, they love the salsa as well. Mm. So Mm. you can't go somewhere and have that music without them getting up and dancing. They've got absolutely no shame, Mm. and they're all so happy and they love it. And Mm. it's not about ego, it's about being being out there and having a go and getting into it. So Mm. it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. And you're DJing. What style of music were you DJing? Well, DJing, I'd been DJing in New Zealand. I had a show in a radio station in Wellington called The Friday Night Flavour, and that... Started out as a hip-hop show, but it became multi-genre. Through that, I knew a lot of people in the music industry in New Zealand, mostly in Wellington, and I was very good friends with the guys from Fat Freddy's Drop. So I brought them over to Granada. Mm. They did one of their first tours, one of their first gigs ever out of New Zealand. They did it, first ones were in uh, Germany, the next one was in Granada. And how were they received? Oh, they just had an instant fan base just from the, the moment they... Mm. They touched down in Granada. Mm. So um, in terms of that kind of music, I mean, Fat Freddy's Drop, I play anything from jazz. I used to do a jazz show, done the soul show. I love classical music. Mm. I played hip-hop. Right now I do an electronic music show on RDU here in Christchurch um, every Saturday afternoon. That's from 4 to 6, but it's strictly New Zealand electronic music. Perfect. So, And what you've chosen today, tell me about that. Yes, well, that is a New Zealand electronic artist going by the name of Milou, which is a very French name. I absolutely adore her vocals. So this is a song called Pocket, and I'll let you all be the judge of what you think of it, but I think, at the very least, the vocal on this is beautiful. And, hey, thanks, New Zealand On Air. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Mary. Wonderful to have you here. And thanks, Rachel. It's been awesome. Perfect. Thanks.
for you 